The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. the short game this is a show about short video games games that respect your time i'm reagan kelly and i'm joined this week by one fine co-host laura nash hello reagan hello laura and we are talking about the forest quartet a very um poetic little puzzle game uh, about uh a jazz quartet that has lost its lead singer and uh the various strange forest machinery that her spirit must reassemble in order to give them back their love of music. Yes, and the irony of playing the perfect rainy day game the first time New York hit 90 degrees was not lost on me. Um, <laughs> that's a really good point. I this would like... be a really good chill, like, rainy day. It is, yeah, that, that's exactly the right vibe for this, if, if you can manage it. Yeah, I just kind of faked it by doing it really late at night. But um, folks, next rainy day, grab some tea, grab this game. That's the vibe to me in a nutshell. Absolutely. So this is a game that uh, came to us from a couple of different places, but I wanted to uh, especially call out and, and thank uh, John of Gaming in the Wild. Uh, he's a friend of the show and a patron, and uh, he has a great podcast as well. So if you... Uh, if you like indie games especially and you want and if you like the vibe of this game this is a very John game to me because John's whole uh show is is this sort of like single person talking quietly with a nice accent into a uh, into a microphone and telling you about the upcoming indies I mean if you love nice accents calmly talking about things that is this game in a nutshell. Um, John's whole vibe on his podcast is great. Definitely recommend checking out Gaming in the Wild. And I definitely see why he liked this. And it uh, and he suggested we cover it because it is really quite short. Like this is maybe an hour and a half for me. Is that about how long it took for you, Laura? Mm-hmm. About an hour. Yeah. A little more. So this is also a, a Danish game. Uh, it's from... Uh, a bunch of developers that call themselves Mads and Friends in Copenhagen uh, and published by Bedtime Digital Games. Um, and interestingly, it's kind of like a family affair. Like this, uh, the main developer's name is Mads Van Holt, um, but there's uh, his, apparently his father is the composer uh, and the voice of the, is, uh, is Casper Van Holt. And uh, the voice of the main sort of singer, the 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 main character that you play as the spirit of this this deceased singer, um, who has some beautiful singing in the game, uh, is his sister Nina Van Holt, who performs under the name NV4 apparently, uh, and uh, has a really lovely voice. Uh, and actually, they had quite good, um, I thought, voice actors for this. Uh, they have a kind of an understated, very uh, very like. It, it, so it's a good sort of understated naturalistic sort of vibe to the voice acting. And um, uh, it's a pretty basic game in terms of story. Uh, there's not like a ton of dialogue or anything, but uh, we'll talk through it a little bit. I think uh, they nailed a vibe with this. It's definitely got this sort of forest vibe, I guess. Is all yeah. I can say. Well, I, 
I think sometimes voice actors can come in a little hot um, in games. They can be Mm -hmm. a lot of, a little bit of forcing, a little bit um, more performative, which is a funny thing to say about actors, but I hope you know what I mean. But this game, um, most of the dialogue you hear is from an interview that is supposedly on Danish radio in English. Um, And it feels like a bunch of people in a room talking. It feels Mm -hmm. like people having a conversation that know each other well, that's a little bit, you know, it's being recorded and it's talking a little bit about mental health. So people are a little shy about it, but it doesn't seem um, very heightened like many of these games are. So it, it yeah. really goes along with like the wandering through a forest vibe. Um, I've, I've played games where there is a vibe in the game and there is a vibe in the voice acting and there is a mismatch. This one feels very of a piece. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, though, because it's sort of telling its story through this voiceover that is, like you said, like a like a NPR style radio interview with the band that happens presumably before the death of the main character. And then also Mm -hmm. with scenes that are, you know, you hear a little bit of sort of dialogue that's between the characters after the event of the death. We actually don't learn that much about the the death itself and i think it's sort Mm -hmm. of outside the story of the game it's sort of we're really focused here on the three remaining band members there's a a, you know keyboardist a um uh i think like upright bass player and uh drummer Mm -hmm. um and then nina i think she's the only one who's i think they i think they do have names and now i can't remember them so uh, apologies Uh, there kirk was the piano player but nina has um was the saxophonist and and also the singer. And yes. it said in the beginning, she dies of a rare disease. And the whole premise is trying to get the band to do... Uh, the band lives in the forest. They've kind of <laughs> gone to live in the forest from the city. And um, because the hustle and bustle of of Denmark is too much. And so they must mm-hmm. go to the forest. Um, uh, sorry, that is definitely my New York City bias talking. Um, I know, right? But the... They live in the forest, and then Nina uh, passes away of a rare disease, and they want to do a memorial concert for their friends and fans, and they're having trouble doing the concert. That's the plot. Yeah, and um, but the actual action of the game, you're playing as Nina, or as Nina's spirit. Um, by the way, I think I would compare this in terms of like gameplay most to some other you know, very uh, visual and sort of imagery-based uh, light puzzle things. The, the thing that sprung to mind for me was Gris. Do you remember Gris, mm-hmm. Laura? The, yeah, the, the, yeah, that was 2D. It's a- this is 3D, but um, it's similar kind of thing about like, this. Is, it's a game that's uh, only partially representative, you know, lots of imagery that's sort of um, heightened or, or meant to represent elements of the character's mental health. And uh, you're also sort of playing as a floaty woman moving around doing little floaty puzzles. Um, that m- may sound dismissive. That's not really my intent. Uh, I liked Gris. I think I like this better than Gris. Gris was mm-hmm. very cool same. looking, but I, I think I didn't quite vibe with it quite the same way. This, I, I think I liked it a little bit better. And it's a, um, uh, the, the, the actual action of the game is moving from, it's, it's sort of divided into three acts, once for each of the three surviving band members. And each one, uh, introduces a new mechanic. The puzzles are extremely lightweight, but you're mostly uh-huh. just sort of moving through various areas of the forest, finding these 
mostly machines that are in, in the in the interview one of the characters explains that they sort of when they move to the forest they see it as sort of something that recharges them and they have this this imagery in their head of uh, a forest full of generators and the generators are are providing the the power that uh, that he needs to do his art and live and uh, in you know and then Nina her spirit is going around you know I suppose in the forest, but also in the heads of these characters, fixing the generators. Um, they are these sort of fanciful devices with like weird spinning widgets and fans on them that glow when she sings at them. Uh, and so, you know, you're just sort of floating around doing very simple, but, you know, so pretty enjoyable little puzzles to try to repair the, the sort of mental landscape of the three other characters. Yeah, it's a physical model for the three different types of issues there that are resurfacing because of her death. Like the forest healed them and let them be their best selves. But now that she has passed and she was kind of the glue that held the band together, uh, she's going around and repairing the machines that are the mental models. So for one, it's generators. For another, it's... um, like a pipe system. I won't go into all three mm-hmm. because I think that's uh, the second one in particular was, was my favorite cause it was so surprising. Um, mm-hmm. But they're, they're physical manifestations of the demons in their heads or the, their worst selves. And she can, because she's passed, she has the ability to kind of manipulate that. Um, it's not as literal as, some of these puzzles we've done in the past where it's like you go back in the past and there's giant versions of the things you played with as a child. Like it's not that kind of thing. It's all very abstracted, um, which I thought would lent itself well. You you often don't know what you're doing until you get the interview after the first or second puzzle solve where they explain mm. the meaning of the thing you've been doing, which I, I, I liked that ordering personally. Yeah, it's a... Um it's also just an extremely visually beautiful game. Um, it's It's got a little bit of sort of, uh, you know, it's not like ultra high resolution textures or anything. It doesn't look ultra realistic. It's But it's still quite detailed. Lots of detail in things like the, uh, the trees and some of the objects. You get to see like peeks into some of the characters' homes and, and see things like, you know, very lovingly crafted and detailed uh, stereo setups and things like that. Um, so you get a lot of like really nice detail, really visually attractive. And I'd especially say that like they did an incredible job with like particle particle effects with this game. They're, yeah, I was like, going to say the glow is so good. <laughs> yeah, it's very glowy. There's, you know, uh, bits where, for example, there's like clouds of butterflies that are very beautifully rendered. It, it's just very visually nice looking game. Um, and so uh, all that is sort of part of the vibe. If you're, you know, if you're wanting something that's just like a a sit down and and chill with about an hour and a half of a game that is, on one level, it kind of can play just sort of like ah, oh, this is a cool vibe to play a puzzle game thing. It, it does have this theme of grief. Um, sometimes I bounce off of things that are really about death. You know, like mm-hmm. um, that, that have this sort of dour, you know, feeling of like how will we go on you know sometimes that bothers me and there's some personal stuff for me with that too uh it depends on the the you know the, the type of death or what have you the fact that mm-hmm. this is just sort of like it's not about the death it's not about loss even exactly it's just sort of about like 
Nina was so clearly the person who brought these four or three other people together and mm -hmm. gave them, you know, a new direction in life. And part of that was just putting them in this new setting. They all came together to live in the forest. I, I think it's all a little goofy, like the whole idea of like, like the whole band is going to move to the forest. And, and they play. all have individual houses. I was like, this band would live in a big cabin together. <laughs> Which don't seem to be attached to any roads. Yeah. No, oh, but yeah. it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, but if you don't worry about that, it does It does sort of work is this idea of like, you know, the, these characters all came together, but the thing that brought them all together is now gone, but it's kind of feels like she's trying to, her spirit is trying to give them a final gift to try to help them move on, you know, and um, it's it's quite nice. I don't think, I didn't find it like ultra moving or anything, but it was, I thought it was well done and and not not like, you know, it's not cringe, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Well, it's not as heavy as I thought it was going to be. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't go completely into the magical. It stays in a, a surreal, magical realism-ish realm, like of like the real world plus, but it doesn't, feel like like some of these are like incredibly heavy incredibly serious themed like by dealing with a serious issue that like the whole game like sinks down eight levels into like no light but this like there are people laughing like um for me a moving thing in this was like part of grief is remembering laughing with somebody mm. who's passed and like not being able to do that again. So hearing Nina being such a like joyful presence made it more grounded, but it wasn't as if they were like, and I'm never going to laugh with her again. That was something I brought to the game. Um, yeah. It felt that that felt more real than like, I mean, to, to be a little personal for a minute. The first time I really, really cried after my dad's death was because I found a pair of Elmo socks he gave me. And it was the dumbest thing to cry about. But like, that's the kind of thing. And I felt like that was part of this game. And it wasn't like, and now she has moved like on and I cannot. Like, it wasn't very self-serious in that way. Um, it made it a lighter game. And to me, that is how I can process stuff. Like, I need a little bit more of a light touch to play a serious game, for better or for worse. I do know this does shut the door for some very good games that I just bounce off of because I can't. But this, to me, felt like an accessible grief game. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've vetoed games from this show before that deal with uh, with grief or death in particular ways that, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm you know, like I, I'm not dealing with like PTSD over here or anything, but like there are certain mm -hmm. types of things like this that can be kind of triggering for me because I have certain things in my past that make me, you know, anyway, it's, it, not to get into mm -hmm. it, but like it, this, this, like I initially was like, I wonder if this is going to be a problem. Uh, and it wasn't, it, it was, I, I thought mm -hmm. it was a good vibe um, and a well-told one of these. We specifically chose this in the middle of uh, spring when we both of us were in good places in case it was going to take us to a mental place we were uncomfortable with yes absolutely and and also like you know we uh it was good to it was good. we also part, partly picked it because it was just it's a it's an hour and a half game in a place where we needed a slotted an hour and a half game into our into our schedule and that maybe too. you do too uh that's mm -hmm. that's a that's a big aspect to this this is a uh, 9.99 regular price and 
probably goes on sale thing on Steam, so it's not going to be something that like breaks the bank. You can you can pick this up on Steam or on PlayStation. And this actually was a recipient of money from like the PlayStation Indie Fund, which I think is kind of interesting, as well as from um, a couple of they they list in their uh, in their press kit like what this was supported by. This is the kind of art game that gets grants, you know. Um, PlayStation Indie Fund, the Animation Workshop, and the Danish Film Institute. Uh, and something called Staten's Kunstfond, uh, which I suppose is another Danish uh, arts fund. And Uh, on that note, I recommend both the controller and headphones on this because it is best as immersive as possible, and I do not like the keyboard controls personally. Oh, yeah, no, it's too floaty. It's definitely meant to be It's way too floaty for a keyboard. You need a stick. And and the headphones thing is key. It's a uh, it's a beautiful game, but it's it's about a jazz quartet. Like you boot this thing up, and it's got an incredible piece of jazz music just playing on the title screen. It's it, how the, did the we get this far really without like, talking about the sound design? That is yeah, the game to me. That is yeah. That's kind of you're right. Like how do we get twenty minutes in and we're not talking about the uh, the music? This is this is a music game. It's not a rhythm game. It's not a game about playing music, but it is a game about four musicians. Uh, and like reigniting the the love of music in the lives of grieving people. And music is a huge part of that. And it really helps that this is driven by several really good pieces of music that mm-hmm. like, who's, I, I, you know, really quite good. Like I put on headphones or at least good speakers and, and like hear this thing. It's really good. As you're interacting with the puzzles in the world, the controls have um, little bits of like choral music when you hit the um, the spin button, or a little tink, like or even um, theremin. <laughs> oh yeah, my favorite is that there is a uh, there's a button that's it has mechanical uses, but at any time when you hit the, a button that's I don't I don't even know what to call it. It's, it's pretty simple mechanics. Um, but there's a there's a, a button that makes Nina snap her fingers. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, the sound effect that you get. And if you want, you can just like play through this game, snapping along with the music if you want. Um, and that gets uh, that also gets used mechanically in in other places in the game. So like you can, I think it's that same button where you know you'll float up to. There's a lot of really um, cool imagery in this that feels sort of like. Um, you know, the, the sort of surrealistic forest stuff. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things like uh, streetlights just in the middle of the forest, right? And you can float up to them and light them up by snapping your fingers at them. Um, yeah. Things like that. And not all of those are, are part of a puzzle mechanic. Some of them are just sort of part of the environment uh, that's there to kind of, you know, build this surrealist looking landscape. It's really quite cool. So in addition to the physicality of the sound effects that you can kind of impact it in kind of a dynamic way as you play, I think the other thing I really loved is that it's a forest jazz. It's not a hot jazz like an ape out. So um, I have a weird relationship with jazz because I like jazz music and I often hate people who love jazz music because they're insufferable. So I really liked this light touch to jazz where it was um, – it was in these people's bones. It was just the way they express. This This game never insisted that jazz was 
the highest art form and it never insisted that what they were doing was more important than other types of music. Jazz is their medium. Um, and it was that same lightness that I really appreciated. Um, I dislike the pretentiousness of jazz. I like to enjoy it peacefully. I've had, I've had that kind of problem where like, I feel like it's hard to get into jazz as someone who's not like, like classical music. It feels like the kind of music that you, that, expects you on some level to be educated about it in order mm-hmm. to enjoy it. You know, yeah. there's something about like, you know, just popular music genres like pop and and rock and so on that are like the they they wear everything that you are you need to know in order to appreciate the music kind of on on their album sleeve, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But like the um you know, jazz isn't always like that. I've certainly had jazz albums I loved and enjoyed over the years, but like, mm-hmm. I don't, if I was like, you know, I want to hear some new jazz, I don't really know where that lives. It's like going to a bookstore and looking in the poetry section and you're mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to pick a book from the poetry section. Like, that's how mm-hmm. I feel when I go to a jazz section. Um, even though I have a deep seated, like I have a lot of roots in like, standards of the 20s and 30s and 40s which a lot of them are jazz inflected so i have a better base than most but i'm gonna grab an album from 1937 rather than something modern because i don't know what's happened in the last 60 years um 80 years 90 years um but i i felt like this was a very just like it's accessible grief story it felt like accessible jazz like this is very um vibey jazz it's not elevator music it's interesting it's got a lot going on um and it builds it's it it's not super repetitive but i don't feel like the game thinks it's smarter than me yeah i think that's that's a good way of putting it it's definitely like it it felt like i was being brought into that the jazz thing more than i typically feel with that genre so i like that about it a lot Um, and it, it helps that it has several really good jazz songs as we mentioned Especially, mm-hmm. I really thought that you know that this is this is a game about bringing musicians together for a concert, and of course, it ends with a concert, which is those musicians playing a pretty much non-interactive sequence where those those musicians play a song, and mm-hmm. the song is great, and Nina is you know present and and singing, and it's a beautiful piece of music, and uh, I thought it was really really kind of a, a good song. I, not to, I don't think it it's a spoiler to talk about this. Um, we no. don't really need a spoiler break on this probably, but it's a, it's a really, really nice piece of music. Um, and it's made me think like I need to track down the soundtrack for this, which is probably on steam. I'll just go and look, but um, I, I mean, it's beautiful. I think I, the thing I've been cagey about is the, the puzzles and how they show people's minds. It's not psychonauts. It's not like you're suddenly going to another plane of existence. Um, it is a little, it's, it's usually on the forest. Um, and but you get a payoff in here where you get to see the ideal state of their minds as they play and the an entire jazz song plays with Nina's voice and it's very beautiful. Um there have been games that ended a song where the song was just fine <laughs> and <laughs> it felt bad um to be like cool this all cul- like it all culminated in something that was mediocre this this feels like the correct payoff it is a a really peaceful song um it's not an ambitious song it's it doesn't open any new tabs in your brain it it, it really seals the game nicely (laughs) i don't know if i've ever heard the phrase doesn't open any new tabs in your brain but i think i really like that thank you laura (laughs) um i've got too many tabs opened right now 
Um, so, yeah, I already mentioned, but just to recap, this was um, this was the Forest Quartet. You can find this on Steam and on the PlayStation Store, and I would definitely recommend it for folks. Uh, it is about ten dollars uh, in its you know regular MSRP, uh, and uh, I think folks should probably check this out. It takes about an hour and a half ish, maybe two hours to complete, depending on how uh, how quickly you float through its various puzzles. And given this is an especially short game and uh, probably an especially short episode, we've got plenty of time and also just the two of us. So we've got plenty of time uh, to talk about... I could keep about... talking about my feelings about jazz for another 30 minutes, but that would be terrible audio. That's another podcast, <laughs> I suppose. Um, so we should have plenty of time for what's making us happy this week. Uh, and uh, I never like to go first, so I'll call on you, Laura. By by default, you're it. Uh, what's making you happy this week? Well, it is officially uh, in the 80s at the moment in New York, which is beautiful. Um, I'm enjoying being able to finally put all my winter clothes under the bed and swap the wardrobe, um, which in brings with it all the, like, outdoor activities the cherry blossoms are in bloom in the park mm. and that they've reopened the dog beach which is my favorite thing in the world Wait, I, what is it have do- i explained I, what is this it? no before? i don't think you've explained the dog um, beach so i live by an entrance to prospect park that um it, it's around a baseball field on the other side of the baseball field is a a section of the lake where there's a little gate, like they've put a little fence in the water that goes all the way down. Um, and there's a little beach and there's some benches and it is a off leash area for dogs to go in the water. Hmm. Um, and it at the height, like the warmer it is, the more chaotic it is. So um, right now, because it's still a little chilly, there's maybe about four dogs in the water, but <laughs> I have been there where there's like 20 dogs fetching balls doing sticks there's a woman whose dog passed away who brings every year like 30 purple tennis balls the on may 1st and like anniversary of her dog and puts them out and so you so everyone can grab the balls and the purple tennis balls are used until they've all been lost to (laughs) the water or dogs running off with them but like it's that kind of happy chaos the dog beach is one of the best places in new york if you live near prospect park um and it closes during the winter, and they close off the baseball fields to resaw the lawn. And it's just like the saddest thing. There's nobody playing um, baseball or rugby or like all the- people have played cricket on those baseball fields. It's pretty amazing. Hmm. But the thing I've been saddest that's closed is the dog beach. And so I went by because I, I do that run, I do that walk um, on lunch breaks often just to like leave my house, quite frankly. Um, and there were three dogs, two big ones and one small one in the water. And it was <laughs> excellent. Um, I like to, if you do go to the dog beach, the pro tip is don't sit on the benches because that's where you get wet because all the dogs come out of the water and shake. Go sit under the tree and you are far enough away that none of the wet dogs can touch you, but you still have a perfect view. And also no one's going to think you're weird for watching dogs that don't belong to you for 30 minutes at a time. So <laughs> That's her right there, officer. That's the woman who's been watching <laughs> my dog. That's the woman who's going to steal the dog. Um, <laughs> um, it's excellent. The dog beach is wonderful. Um, on a thing that is more accessible for people who don't have access to a dog beach. Um, we've also been watching the TV show, slow horses, which is a spy show on Apple TV. 
that is, what if the place you go in MI5, that if you really mess up, like there's the house where they put all the agents that are basically in purgatory, and it's all the mess ups, all the screw ups. What if they accidentally needed to save Britain? Hmm. <laughs> like, that's the premise of the show. Um, it's just as implausible as that sounds. Um, it opens with a big action sequence that is not indicative of the show's vibe. Um, but I guess they had to spend some Apple TV money. Um, but if you like John LeCare, if you like uh, like a light comedy, like crunchy spy show, it's a very, it goes down real easy. Um, I, I will not change your life, but sometimes you need shows that don't change your life, to be honest. Like, it makes you happier because I don't need to pay attention every second to the screen. Um, and Gary Oldman's excellent in it, so. That's awesome. I uh, I might have to check that out. Although my Apple TV uh, subscription expired, uh, you you get it seems like every time you buy any expensive Apple product, mm-hmm. you get like three months of Apple TV Plus. Hundred percent, and you just like I also did the same thing where I never paid for it, and then was like, oh, what, did I stop buying things? Yeah. I watched yes, exactly I one thing on it. I watched the uh, the Tetris movie, which I thought mm-hmm. was like okay, like not great. I've seen that story told in other formats and enjoyed it a lot. It was okay watching the Tetris movie on Apple TV mm-hmm. Plus. Um, uh, my wife, I think, li- liked it okay, and it it like it serves as a as a telling of that story. But it also had stuff in it that just made me groan so hard. Like like when Hank Rogers shows up at the. Um, the like Nintendo of America headquarters and um, uh, the, the CEO and oh, what's his name? The, um, uh, the bow tie guy um, like oh, I, names are suddenly escaping me, which is embarrassing because I, I really like stories about the you know history of Nintendo, but the, the like two, basically the two big wigs of Nintendo are in a white room wearing R and D one lab coats. I'm pretty sure R and D one was in Japan and they're like this like bare white room and they've got the, the like game boy on a little pedestal connected by a wire to the computer and Hank Rogers, Howard like, Phillips, like, sorry, Howard Phillips. Thank you. Oh my God. Howard Phillips. And, uh, and, and the CEO is uh, Arakawa. Um, and they're like there and like, it's just the two of them. There's no other employees <laughs> in all of Nintendo. And they're like in the white room programming a Game Boy with a weird old computer. And Hank Rogers codes up, like modifies his PC version of of, uh, of Tetris to run on the Game Boy with like three <laughs> lines of code change. And of course, it looks identical to like the final. Sure, that's how, that's how... Uh... <laughs> New versions for new devices work. That whole moment was like, uh, and and then like Arakawa and and um, and Howard Phillips like follow Hank Rogers around for the rest of the movie like little silent dogs. It, it, the, the whole thing made no sense from like there were lots of really goofy stuff in it, but. Uh, but overall, it's it's like a really cool and dramatic story, and I I'm not making this my what's making me happy this week, but no, here I am just, talking just about it. Just read the Wikipedia article, and also, like, yeah. what is the ideal? Like, why are there so many intellectual property thrillers coming out right now? I mean, there's an entire Ben Affleck did a movie on uh, Michael Jordan getting paid money for Air Jordans. Um, I, I've not seen that, but that's pretty weird. I apparently, think do it's quite like good. Business stories, you know, business. It has Viola Davis is his mom. Oh, uh, business stories can be pretty dramatic. If you if you are interested in the story, I would rather than watching the the um, the movie 
um, which was okay. Like that's a, it's, it's fine. But, um, I would actually recommend that BBC did a documentary several years ago called, uh, Tetris from Russia with love. And it's an hour long. It tells Mm. the exact same story with Hank Rogers in interviews mostly, but also like uh, archival video. And like, you know, they visited Russia to to take video of some of the places that were involved in the story and so on. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's an extremely dramatic and interesting story. uh, At least, you know, if you're interested in, in Nintendo history or video game history, Um, it's maybe the most dramatic story origin story for a, you know, main, you know, like mainline Nintendo game. Um, so I would definitely recommend people check it out, but like, and it's on YouTube in full. So search for, uh, Tetris from Russia with love and you'll find two or three versions of it on YouTube uploaded by various different pirates. So I might recommend that over the Tetris movie. Fair enough. But what is actually making you happy if not the Tetris movie? Oh, uh, right. So, um, I'm admitting defeat. Um, (laughs) No, it's okay. This is something that happens to me from time to time. Every now and then I play a game and I'm like, I'm really enjoying this game. Hey, guys, we should play this for the show. Because every game that I play, of course, I naturally want to turn it into content. Um, And that's not always, strictly speaking, possible. um, Because sometimes uh, the games that I pick or am interested in just don't seem to spark interest in my co-hosts. And fair enough. We all have those things, right? Um, So I was going to recommend a game this week that I don't believe we'll be doing an episode on, but I've been thoroughly enjoying. uh, And that is Curse Crackers, For Whom the Bell Toils. I don't remember where I saw this game initially, um, but the visuals were definitely what drew me into it. Curse Crackers is a game that is very clearly trying for a Game Boy Color 8-bit style. Um, you know, it's got uh, on the Game Boy Color. They had a lot of very specific color palette. Lots of um, usually like kind of an unnaturally large uh, like character sprites. Given the small screen, uh, it, it had a particular vibe, um, like a pastel look. I really, really enjoyed it. It also has the a particular problem that like this is something that I keep running into in games that I like and I think I find myself getting made fun of a lot for it on the show I think totally unfairly because this is just a random thing that happens to me uh, is random. that this is a this is a game that is it's a 2D platformer um, that is very retro inspired but also clearly developed by a, a team or developer who's really 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 into their own lore and so the, the story it which is fine it's fun and it pr- supports a really cute character uh, is uh, it's a fantasy world. The, the the Steam description is help Bell the ac- acrobat and chime the living bell. Yes, she has a little floating living like jingle bell that follows her so, around. So the person named Bell is not the person who's a jingle bell. No, Bell B E L L E is an acrobat who wears. But a she has a. F- the woman named Bell has a pet Bell named Chime. Naturally named Chime. Correct. Uh, Just and, checking. Uh, at the very beginning, her uh, in a well, okay, actually, first at the very beginning of the game, there is about a th- three times as longer than it needs to be um, cutscene explaining the history of the world going back into the you know into antiquity um, about the the dragon that I'm trying I might be misremembering the details. A dragon created the world, and there were multiple gods mentioned by name, and the dragon. There was a great battle and the dragon shed a bunch of scales and the scales became legendary warriors with great powers and and then all of the the scales have disappeared and et cetera, et cetera. We're thousands of years later. Why did I need to know any of this? It, it, no. it completely but like the developer clearly like they like their world here, despite the 
fact that this is a game that plays Mario style as you get a map. Each there's a bunch of nodes on the map with Why little levels. Why did they levels. keep trying to shove so much lore into Mario platformers? And like. the and the story is my boyfriend was kidnapped and I need to go after the bad the bad lady with the bunny ears to try to get my boyfriend back. That's all we needed, man. Like I didn't need to know anything about this backstory. If you wanted to hide that in some lore book or something, sure. But like I was, I was like, it took like ten minutes to get into the game. Like I didn't get to hit a jump button until I'd learned everything there was to learn about this particular dragon and its skin condition. Um. Anyway, great game. I think <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. It's from a developer called Color Grave. It's published on Steam. As far as I can tell, it's only on Steam, not on consoles. But they do have a demo. So if you're if you're curious and want to give it a try, uh, it's 15 bucks on Steam. On uh, how long to beat says uh, five hours for this, and I don't actually know how true that is. Uh, it is because there's only like one or two people who've reported uh, time on this, and I haven't finished the game yet. I've only put about three and a half hours into it, so um, I will report back, uh, or I guess upload my times to how long to beat once I finish it. But uh, I just wanted to give it a thumbs up. I'm really enjoying it. I keep going back to it every time I finish, you know, something else. Uh, it's just a fun little platformer uh, with, you know, cute characters. So, a plus. Um, and I think that's about it for this week. Uh, it's a short one because we got a very short game and uh, just the two of us to talk about our our happy uh, stuff this week. So uh, we'll leave you here. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at shortgame.fm. That's the new site. We've got all the different links and buttons that you could need there for subscribing in various places and uh, link off to our uh, our show notes, our searchable show notes page, um, links to all of our various socials. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. on Mastodon. Uh, Laura, where are you? On Mastodon because uh, although Twitter's more fun, it is unstable more and more by the day. And, and getting weirder every day. And getting it's weirder. Just the weirdest, most nightmare decisions being made. I, I, it's, oh, yeah, yeah. It's getting weirder and worse and worse and worse and worse every day. Mm-hmm. The- so, you know, Mastodon is good, guys. I think so, anyway. Uh, if you if you need help getting set up there's on less, Mastodon, there's, I'm People happy are to more help. serious, but... um. Hmm. It, it's it also depends on who corrupt. you're following. I, I'm having a I great suppose. time with some weird shit posters on there. So, oh, I guess um, you just look at your list and steal yeah. it. Um, but uh, let's see. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon, which is of course linked on shortgame.fm. But Patreon.com/slash/theshortgame. All of our patrons, and even just a dollar a month, get access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the show, we chat about what's coming up next, um, and it's a great place to give us feedback or suggest games. We have a great little community there, and we would love if you would join us. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's about it. I already mentioned our, our socials, so I guess I don't have to do that. Uh, uh, so I guess uh, thanks very much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Bye, everybody. Enjoy some good jazz.